Oh my goodness. All right. It is really, really good to be with you here today. I, I don't say that in the normal way I say that. Normally I start off my sermons by saying, I'm so excited to be here today. But today I just feel really good to be here. It's been a little while since I've been able to stand up before you and preach the word. And I guess I'm going to get confessional just absolutely right away. 2019 has been a hard year. And I, and I know some of you really resonate with that because I've sat down and had coffee with you and we've lamented 2019. Maybe 2019's been a great year for you, but 2019 was, I feel like God specifically put together a plan to humble Matt Kreutzer. And he did that systematically and thoroughly this year. Now, I'm coming at this with first world eyes. <laughs> so I'm coming at this with first world eyes because I didn't have cancer. I didn't have bad things happen to my family where, it's where they were physically gone. But this year challenged me in ways that I never thought. My marriage took some hits. My family took some hits. I stopped being the golden boy at work for the first time ever, and that, that hurts. <laughs> you, you tie your identity into so much that isn't Jesus, and we were in the middle of this international adoption, which if you haven't done that, get a counselor before you pursue it. <laughs> because 2019 has been hard, but God wanted to humble me. And he brought me low. And at the very bottom of 2019, which I hope I came to the bottom of 2019, <laughs> the very bottom of it, I saw one thing really, really clear. It's that I really love Jesus. I mean, I really love Jesus. And he didn't let me go. And I tried and tested that, and he's not going to let me go. And I'm excited about that. And that's why it's good to be here, because he did that so that maybe, just maybe, today I can preach the word of God after a long break, and maybe it'll have a different tenor, and maybe it'll help someone get saved. Because he uses broken vessels. I can attest to that. Like, I am as broken as they come, but he doesn't let go. So we're going to celebrate that goodness today. And I can't, I can't wait to get into this. So last week, Sam preached one of my favorite passages. Sam preached on Colossians 1.24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. I want to spend a little time before we get into our text today talking about filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Sam did a great job of going over this, and we're going to just use this as a baseline, as a, as a, as a place where we can build on today. Now, I love this, this phrase right here, filling up 
what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And I love that because it's the weirdest way to say something. And Paul wrote this in a really weird way, I think, so we can remember it. Now, this isn't the first time Paul uses uh, a phrase like this. If you just flip your Bible one page back, you'll be in Philippians, and put your finger on Philippians 2, verse 30. And the Philippian church, so I'm going to give you a little context before I read this verse. The Philippian church was a church that Paul really, really loved. If you read the book of Philippians, it's a love letter to this church that Paul has a special care and compassion for. And they had a special compassion for the apostle Paul. So Paul, having left the Philippian church, found himself in need at some point as he was planting other churches, caring for other churches. The Philippian church saw that Paul had a need and they did what could be described as they took up a love offering for their cherished friend, the Apostle Paul. This gift was probably monetary, probably very earthly needs with food, and probably book, probably some books. It was a special gift that a church had come together and said, our brother Paul needs help. And they put together this beautiful, beautiful gift. And Paul writes this about the man who delivered the gift. For he, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So I love this verse because it adds a little, a little more texture to filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So my question is, church that gave this love offering, put together this, this gift for the Apostle Paul, what was lacking in the gift? And if you know, you can just say it. What was lacking in this gift? It was monetary. It was the food he needed. It was probably books. The thing that was lacking in this gift is it wasn't with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul didn't physically have the gift, so someone had to go deliver the gift to fill up what was lacking in the gift. And that's, what, that's what's meant by filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. And you better answer this one, because what was lacking in Christ's afflictions? You got it? Go ahead. Nothing. Nothing was lacking in Christ's afflictions. The only thing is, we didn't physically get to see it. We didn't physically get to see Christ die on the cross and see how much he absolutely loves us. That was what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. And brothers and sisters, that's where there's an invitation. Because he has created us to be the flesh on flesh people to people, face to face, hands to mouth, expression of the goodness of Christ. And that is how we fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. That's what we're going to build on today. That long introduction, I know I'm in the introduction already doing this, but that's what we're building on here today. 
filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So with that, let's turn to our text for today. We're in the, oh, if you don't physically have a Bible in your hands right now and you want one, they are in the aisles on both sides, and I would highly encourage you to engage the Word of God in your hands today, whether it's on your phone or come step out and grab a Bible from the aisles. Because we're picking up in Colossians 1, verse 29, and we're going to take that all the way through 2, verse 5. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have prepared a text for us today. I thank you so much that you have prepared this place with us today to engage your word, to worship you, and to call out to you that we need you. Father, I thank you so much that you didn't just save us, but you also call us to something. Father, it's an amazing, amazing blessing to be able to partake in your work. Father, I pray for those hearing today that their hearts would hear what you would have them hear and that they respond in the way that you would have them respond. Father, I love this church this church loves you. Father, glorify yourself here today. And if it be your will, save souls today. And if it be your will, change our hearts so that we can better partake in what you're doing in this world. Jesus, you are our greatest treasure. In you is all wisdom and all knowledge. Father, bless this time. I ask this in the name of my precious, risen Savior, Jesus. Amen. So, as we've been going through this book, we've seen a couple things. We, we've heard that the Colossian church that Paul had not met face-to-face -face, had begun to adopt el other elements to the gospel. The gospel, we don't know a whole lot about the specific heresy that they believe, but the gospel wasn't enough. They'd begun to believe in this secret knowledge, and they had been seeking out more and more hidden knowledge that was definitely puffing up their pride, and it was creating disunity in the church. 
And their pastor, who loved his church, didn't see fit to leave them as they were and probably knew that this problem was above his pay grade. So he reached out to the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul wrote a letter. And he wrote a letter for this church, the church in Laodicea, and he wrote a church, this letter for this church here that we call Red Tree. See, we know that the Colossian church had received the gospel. They had received it into their hearts, and it had become their treasure. But little by little, that treasure had become less valuable to them. And they started seeking other forms of knowledge, other forms of wisdom. And it was breaking apart the church. It's a grievous estate. It's a grievous place to be. So what had they forgotten? They'd forgotten this story. They'd forgotten that in about one month and a day, if you need to do your shopping, (laughs) that a man, God, came to this world. God in human form, the God in human form, the God who made everything came into this world in the form of a baby. And this baby came into a world that was awful. This baby who is God came into a world that has awful things happening. People kill each other in this world. People hate each other in this world. There's corruption everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's corruption. People seek their own benefits. It's a broken world that hadn't been designed to be broken. See, Adam and Eve fell, but we've all fallen too. I can point to the original sin that was the disobedience to God that happened in the garden, but I can also look and say, I choose sin. And the world was broken. And that sin, everything that you see that is wrong with this world, separated man from the one and only God. And so God, not being content with that problem, sent himself as a baby into the world. And that baby, Jesus, grew up. He ate dinner with his family. He played with his friends. He did all the things that little kids do. But he did it differently than you and I. Because he did it without choosing sin once. An entire life lived out for the glory of God, not for the glory of God. self. He lived out an entire life that was pleasing, that abided by scripture. And then he took on a ministry and he gathered 12 men with him and he went out and proclaimed an extraordinary thing, that this world was going to change and that the kingdom of God was coming. And during that message, as as he began to preach, he said things like, we should love God. We should love our neighbors as ourselves. He taught us what the kingdom would look like. That the kingdom isn't going to be about putting yourself first. But he said other things, that the 
first would be last, and the last would be first in the kingdom of God. And slowly he was painting this beautiful picture of how things are actually supposed to work. It was this beautiful picture in a dark, desolate world. Jesus was life going everywhere he went. Everywhere Jesus went, he was blessing. He was a blessing in every spot he went. He would see sick people, and he would cure them. He would see the cripple, and he would have them become able to walk. He saw the deaf, and he gave them sight. That was what Jesus did. This warm gust of air into a dry, awful place. That's what Jesus did. And you know what the world did? They had none of it. They had none of it. The powers that be, the rulers and authorities, said, this man is a threat to my little kingdom. And it was was a threat to everything that they'd put together. And so they threw the worst that they could do to him. They crucified him. They nailed God to a tree. They put an awful crown of thorns on his head. They put nails through his feet and his hands, and they shoved a spear through his side. And God in human form, Jesus, died. And he did this for you. And he did this for me. And he did this for the church in Colossae. But the story doesn't end there. He rose again. He rose again, and that was a, it was not only a miraculous event, but it was a promise. He was promising that anyone who believes on me will do likewise. You put your faith in Jesus, not in your works, not in how much money you have or your reputation, but if you put everything, all of your eggs into the Jesus basket, you will be saved. That was what was. And then he did one more thing. He poured his spirit out on all believers and he gave them another promise that he's coming back. That, that's the story. That's the story that the church in the book of Colossians felt they needed to add to. Story wasn't enough. Had to go seek out secret wisdom, secret knowledge. They had to add to the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, wasn't enough. The the man who had poured out everything for them wasn't enough. So, the Apostle Paul, like Jesus, didn't feel content to leave this church in their sin. So what did he do? I love how he puts this several times. He wants you to know this is not easy. He said, For this I toil, struggling. He uses the word struggling again. Now, one thing I know about the Apostle Paul this man is not a liar. He is not a liar. And when he uses the word struggle, I want to give that a little context, a little flavor. So if you can join me in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He writes, 
Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers from the city, dangers from the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers. In toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my, of my anxiety for the churches. I find it really fascinating that after countless beatings and stonings and all kinds of things, the last thing, the punchline he leaves his anxiety for the churches. He wrote a letter to this church. He cared about this church. He was doing a lot of other things. He had a lot of other things going on. But what in the world does it mean to us that a man who's undergone this much torture, the last thing he says is his anxiety for the churches. A deep care for believers. A deep care that this gospel, in which he poured himself out for, that it go forward and not be added to. See, he saw Jesus as his greatest treasure. He saw Jesus as the greatest wealth to wisdom and knowledge. And he wanted the church in Colossae to believe it. He wrote this letter so that they would believe it. And I think they knew that Paul wasn't, just had a bunch of free time. They knew he was struggling. And so I think when Paul says he's struggling for this church, his prayer life was probably tumultuous. He was probably going to battle in prayer for this church. I know that the devil was pestering him. And so Paul didn't stop. His anxiety for the church was too great because he cared that the message of Jesus go forward. So, Jesus poured out everything for the believer. Paul poured out everything for the believer. Believer after believer after believer after believer after believer has come and poured themselves out so that you would believe. So that you would have this gospel preserved. And that's it. We get to go home, sit on our couches, watch football, and enjoy that goodness, right? That's it, right? 
Absolutely not. See, believers, I think Paul wrote this, number one, so that they knew how hard he was working, but I think he was doing one of these. Come on, guys. I'm doing it. Let's do it together. Because he also writes that he wants them to be united in love. See, there's this rare window in eternity right now. If you believe on Jesus, you're going to spend the rest of eternity having every need fully met in perfect joy. But there's this really weird window that we have. We have an opportunity that we won't have for eternity. Right now, Paul saw, Paul saw this opportunity and he poured himself out because right now is a rare time in history where we get to choose to obey and to serve God in his mission. We get to, as broken people, choose to engage in what God is doing. It's exciting. See, I think we don't really struggle with the same heresy that the, church and, that the Colossian church experienced. I think our heresy that I see more and more and that I see in myself is that it doesn't really matter. I kind of believe that I can go home, I can turn on the TV, I can make my lunch, but really, the time doesn't matter. I believe that I can be apathetic. I believe that I can not engage this work. But that's not true. It's not true. Jesus poured everything out. Paul poured everything out. We get to pour everything out to see this gospel advance and our God glorified. And we get to do this out of love. And the cool thing is, is there's a little, little thing here in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Brothers and sisters, how cool is it to have the God of the universe powerfully working within you? And I want that. I want that. So I think I know where I have you right now. I think. Not that experience with this, but I think I know where I have you. I think if I were to tell you right now that there are sign-up sheets that are going to be out here for churches on the streets and that you could go ahead and engage with other forms of mission in this area, I think a lot of you would sign up. But I'm not doing that today. I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to pray. Now, if you just felt relief that I said that, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got words for you. Because I'm not asking you to go mumble some words. I'm asking you to engage on what is happening here. There's a very real devil who hates you and has a horrible plan for your life, and we need to do battle against him. And there are real souls that will not see the glory of Jesus 
if they don't hear from us. This is the work we're invited into, brothers and sisters. I want to tell you something. Our city just signed a $5 million contract with a, uh, a company called Cure Violence. They have a promise that in certain neighborhoods, under certain conditions, they will reduce violent crime by 50%. Do you know how they do that? Violence interrupters. They train roughly 10 people in these neighborhoods to see potential for violence and go over there and calm it down. They've done this in the city of Baltimore, and it has worked with tremendous success. I'm excited to see if it works in St. Louis. But when I heard that, I couldn't help but think, my God, what if those people had the Holy Spirit? What if those people were clothed in the blood of the Lamb? What if those people had the Prince of Peace on their side? My God, they could change the world. Brothers and sisters, this is the work we're invited into. Our God, our precious Jesus, working in us to glorify his name in this rare moment of history. This isn't going to come along again. We'll be glorified. We won't get to choose to worship Jesus and to glorify Jesus in his work with brokenness. We'll have perfection. But today is the day where we get to do this work. So, I've got a challenge for you. We're going to have prayer counselors come out in just a few minutes, and they're going to stand at these sides of the room. And today, I want to wrestle with God's calling on your life. I want to wrestle with God's calling on my life. I want, I think we should move. I think we should be changed. The fact that Paul poured out everything and Jesus poured out everything, I think we should pour out everything for this gospel. So when the prayer counselors come out today, it's not wrong to ask them to help you begin to pray for brokenness. To ask them to pray that you would be Holy Spirit filled, that God's, that Christ's power would be working in you this week, this day. So these prayer counselors are going to come up. And I, I think some of you need to use them. Maybe you can just tell them, I don't know how to do this thing. And that's okay. And if you want to engage in that, that's, that's awesome. Something else I find is really helpful for me is to make some kind of gesture to change. So maybe it could be like this. Because we've heard the word, we've read the word, we've, we've received a challenge if you want to partake in that, I challenge you to move. Have your body match what your mind has heard. Maybe you can just move seats with your spouse or switch a seat over to the left or to the right or do something that engages your physical form because this is a physical challenge. This is, this is you filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. It's a person-to-person, flesh-on-flesh 
experience. And so you don't have to switch seats, but I find that helpful. But I'm going to go ahead, have the prayer counselors come on out, and go ahead and take this time, and let's just engage in, in prayer what the Spirit would have us do today. Thank you.